Hello, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Smokin' Jay Cutler. That's right, Smokin' Jay Cutler, the best free agent on the market. He wishes. Smokin' Jays! Man, Smokin' Jay Cutler is, uh, he's out there, and the Texans are looking desperate now. He is the uh, the lost McCown. You know, this is going back to last week's podcast when we were like, how come Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job yet? Because the Texans hate him. That's right. Uh, t- people in Texas would boo him heartily. Yeah. All right, so uh, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Guys Podcast. I'm Nathan Santo, joined as always by uh, the great the great red himself, Kevin Garber. <laughs> the great red. That's yep. it. Better than big red bubblegum. The great red. And uh, the, most, the most ripped guy I know, Eric the Rock Ronnebeck. Thanks, because I eat a lot of rice. <laughs> and you eat, you eat six pounds. <laughs> Much like The Rock, you eat six pounds of cod per day. Yes, and 12 eggs. All right, I so thought something was fishy. Let's get right into the news. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks to everyone who are new listeners. We, I've noticed over the few weeks that on SoundCloud, we've got a lot of new people uh, checking us out on the off season that weren't there for the regular season. So I hope you stick with us. Uh, let's get right into the news. Yeah, thanks for those uh, reviews and shares that have been going. All right, so Seahawks-related news. Not draft related because we're going to go into that in just a minute. Uh, first, um, the angry Doug Baldwin won NFL.com catch of the year. Oh, he officially won it. Yeah. Ooh. How do you feel about that? I that was a better. Did you see Kevin? Did you see the his uh, his the final competition that he was going up against? I did not see the final competition, but I saw all of the catches when it began, and I thought that uh, the three offerings the Seahawks had all had very good chances of succeeding. I believe Jared Cook. Thrown by Mr. Aaron Royers was his final competition. Am I right about that? Nathan? Oh, that sideline one. Yeah, which we've talked about on the show. Yeah, being, against the Cowboys, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Jared Cook's only good play ever. Yeah, that should have been a. <laughs> so that was for throw of the year. Yeah, and I feel a reception of the year. Oh, because that would have been throw of the year. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm. May I'm not being a homer. You can call me a homer, but Doug Baldwin had to had to really go out, grab that one hand, bring it in, better catch. All right, and um, so yeah, it's a great catch. It's the it was, I think it deserved catch of the year. Although you know the Seahawks have like a uh, online presence that kind of people make fun of. The uh, oh, if it's an online poll. The Seahawks are probably going to win. So I understand why people. Uh, That's just another thing we're good at. They can hate us for deal with it. Yeah. All right, um, <laughs> we're not mailing in ballots with our cheese curd fingers. The other big news stories <laughs> this week: uh, Lockett's going to be ready for training camp. That's uh, huge. That's good. that's huge. Really good. Um, the offensive line, uh, they, there's just a lot more stories about that. We talked about this last week, but, uh, it's like Jock, Jockle's a talk, a lock for left tackle now at this point. Um, Fetty's a lock for right tackle. They have high expectations for fan in the future. And they also are talking about feeling like they're going to add one more body to the mix at least. Yeah. Which is I, good to hear. I agree with that. That's Oof. a good me. Last thing, um, a Redditor. Uh, C underscore 12 did a uh, statistical analysis on Russell Wilson with pressure and without pressure. And um, he was one of the people who had the he was the quarterback who had the smallest difference between throwing under pressure and throwing uh, with a clean pocket. Do you think that's a sign of happy feet? Two things about this. Well, no, that's good. That means that he throws better under pressure than anyone else. Almost. He was among the quarterbacks on here. He's fifth. Uh. In pa- no, fourth in passer rating under pressure. But his clean, the problem I have with this stat is his clean pocket passer rating is like kind of middle of the pack. And it makes me wonder, like, the times they did give him a clean pocket, was it like, was he not able to take advantage of it? Was it because it was so unexpected or what? I don't know. That's what I meant. Like, does he always feel the pressure now? 
It, so it's yeah, he's really good under pressure, but even when it's not there, does he still feel it? That's what I meant with yeah, the happy feet. Because he's under pressure forty two percent of the time. Only Andrew Luck and Jared Goff were under pressure more, and we know how bad Jared Goff's offensive line is. And Andrew Ryan had Andrew Luck, sorry, had the the season from hell, basically. So I don't know. Yeah, it's all uh, all terrible offensive lines. Makes all right, sense. so so now we get to bust in. We get to talk about what people really want to talk about. That's the that's all the Seahawks related news that I had. Yeah, and we can dig right that's into that's all there was. <laughs> day two of the Seahawks draft. Yeah, so day two is rounds two and three. Uh, we're gonna follow the same format as we did last week or tried to last week, <laughs> where we're going to discuss what picks you want to see, what positions you'd like to see, and I will try and play matchmaker. So. Um, you are GM, you are kind of laying out some demands and I will, uh, give you my, my pitch as a scout. I believe, uh, Nathan has some prospects he's been looking into. So he has some, I watched a lot of YouTube videos of just prospects. I like lay in bed and I it's just, a good way to do it. I put on like prospect mix, you know, it's like, it's like you start with one video and then it just auto plays the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's like 2017 NFL prospects. And since the Seahawks, they're a pretty complete team, so there's really only like five positions we truly care about, I think, in this draft, like a ton, and then everything else is going to be adding depth. Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, as long, if it's a, if it's an edge rusher, an interior defensive lineman, a linebacker, uh, a cornerback, or offensive lineman, I'm like, okay, I'll watch this one. And if it's kind of anything else, I'm like, I usually just like scoot right past it. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about this that much. I watch the quarterback ones because I like, I like evaluating quarterbacks, but well, quarterbacks and running backs are the f- most fun to evaluate because there's better tape on them because right. the camera follows the ball, yeah. so you get to see everything that they do. Yeah, but there's like one good quarterback in this draft, and then like there's <laughs> there's a few projects that you could maybe like try to turn into something. And there's a few people that are getting overloved. Like I really, I really would like to see us like maybe draft Drod Evans. And like, like in the seventh round, I would love to have this. Talk. I'm thinking next week we yeah, do day this, three. So we should do a quarterback episode the day after that or the week after that. Cause I think like, like that. that there's a few quarterbacks in that you could pick up in around seven that actually could develop into great backup Seahawks quarterbacks. I am in agreement, especially now that Boykin is, a, uh, um, you know, he's in D- an awkward spot. D-N-P-P-R-I-S-O-N. <laughs> you know, did not play prison. So yeah, I, um, anyway. physically unable to get out of prison list. <laughs> Let's dig in. All right. So Nathan, since you brought it up, or actually, let's go. We did Nathan first last time. Mr. Eric Rodman. I'm ready. Let's start with, can we start with the fans? Can we start with the fans? Let's give the people what they want. All right. So sometimes you got to give the people people people. what they want. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very musically inclined with our opening. You can tell Nathan's on spring break. You can tell. He's got that, he's got that jam and that jiggle. Or I'm all hopped up on Sudafed. (laughs) guys i'm all hopped up on sudafed uh they picked offensive line in the second round and i think that's an interesting choice they went with defensive backs the uh so right now the fans have gary unconley in the first round to play corner center back quarterback sorry yep and then offensive line is where they're going at the end of the second round and Uh. they did not uh, you know, it wasn't specified in the poll because Twitter only gives you four spots if they wanted a tackle or a guard. But, gentlemen, I'm going to kind of give you the pitch on a couple of players. I, I was going to say, I've watched uh, tape on a lot of these guys I'm looking at on this list. Uh, so I, I actually might have some uh, some opinions on these guys. Go ahead. So Taylor Moten out of uh, Western Michigan yep. is 
a extremely high floor right tackle. He is going to be really solid. He's, he's big. big, 6'5", 309, or 319. He's a, he's a mauler. He, his he hands can be a little slow. Too. He played pretty good at the senior bowl. And he was one of the only guys in the, uh, on his, one of the only offensive linemen on his team to play well. That The offensive line did not show well in the senior yeah. bowl. I just remember there were senior bowl clips in the YouTube video I watched, and he he was like decent. Yeah, yeah he kind of gets out there. He can handle speed rush, though that's his biggest problem. Uh, outside speed rush, his movements not elite, but serviceable. He can get to the second level. The big thing I like about this guy is even against like Wisconsin and some of the some of the big time teams that I saw them play, he plays smart. He plays aware. He finds his man. He knows his job. He makes blocks. He's not one of those guys that you'll see blocking air very often. Yeah, his measurables are really good. He's six foot five. He has thirty three inch arms. Like he has the kind of st- stuff that you would look for. You know, he's not like super short arms like Antonio Garcia or something like that. Some yeah. of those other guys that are gonna be these are the kind of guys we're looking at in round two. Is uh, there's like three or four of them unless someone really drops. Which I don't see happening. Why is he's, this guy looking at second round late? Because it sounds he's a right tackle. He's a pure right tackle. He will not be a left tackle. He doesn't, doesn't have, have the movement skills. Right. He's just a rogue grader. Um, grab the person in front of him and bury him five yards into the second level. I believe that he ran like a five second forty at the at the combine. Yeah, which, which is, is respectable. Which is respectable, but for very, a dude carrying that much weight, very slow. And he's he's big. He's three. He's three uh, five point one eight seconds in the forty. And he's uh three thirty three thirty. So I mean Oh, is he up to three thirty now? Uh he looks like he's at the combine he weighed three nineteen. So Okay, yeah. But he's big. He's yeah, a he's, big guy. And he looks every bit that big. So that I think in my opinion, for offensive tackles, he's the only real scheme fit in round two. And Nathan, I know you want to talk about this a little bit. I feel like a lot of the other guys don't fit what the Seahawks want to do as far as being able to play in a zone blocking scheme, but yeah. still be kind of that mauler on the right side. Like, let's take a guy like Deion Dawkins, who's going to be available in the middle rounds. And, like, his 20-yard shuffle time was so slow. Was this, he was, like, 4.78 seconds. You know, he's a full, almost a, he's 0.3 seconds behind, you know, Garrett Bowles and the other top-tier guys. And I just wonder, like, if he's going to, if you're going to be like a guy who needs to get into the second level and establish a block, you can't be behind because then they're going to be blocking guys in the back and we're going to be losing yards on penalties. Like that's the kind of bad things that can happen when, when you're slow to the second level. And in our blocking scheme, you know, a lot of times you don't block the first guy that's right in front of you. Your job is to get to the second guy and find a block. And our failure to do that last year was a big problem. You'd see guys like Fant who didn't know how to play the position they run couldn't into, read. They run into the second level, and they couldn't find a guy to block. They just run around, and then the play would be over because the guy they were supposed to block in the second level they didn't get there fast enough. And honestly, for fans, it's not due to athletic deficiencies. Like it might be to some of these guys. It's because he's not smart enough. He didn't. He doesn't that, know who to block. He doesn't know who to block. Like he you, doesn't have awareness that repetition that, gives you. You got to find that block fast. You don't have time. And so the thing about fan is, is he could develop and be able to find that block eventually. And I'm hoping that. That's what they see in him is that three years from now, you know, he'll be a serviceable NFL right tackle who can find a second level block. Right now, today, he's not. He's not even in the ballpark. Something about Fant impressed them. And I felt like you can look at the tape. He looked like a practice squad player thrown into the fire. And it, 
I, I hope it serves him well moving forward, but it did not serve our team last year, obviously. Yeah, he's what happens when you have all the physical tools, but none of the technique or anything. Zone blocking. That's tough. It's not like regular blocking. So Nathan brought up one of the players I wanted to bring up. Deion Dawkins projects more as a guard, especially in the zone blocking system. Mm-hmm. People will project him to us. But I don't think he's a good scheme fit for all the reasons that Nathan just mentioned. If I'm picking up an offensive guard in the second round, where we'll be drafting, I like Dorian Johnson out of Pitt. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He's very athletic. He's a driving blocker. He's intelligent, aware. You go watch the tape of him, and he's another one of those guys. He's a people mover. And he will find the guy he's supposed to block. He will find a block at the second level. He puts his body in a really good position to wall people off, and he opens up run lanes. See, I felt like Dorian Johnson was really good at, like, pushing his guy off the spot, like, off the line. And he'd be really successful in, like, a traditional, like, power run scheme, but maybe not good on our team. And I mean, that's just because the offense pit run, pit ran. I, I think that's like exactly he, what you I saw. I didn't feel like he had a lot of opportunities to do the things that the Seahawks are going to ask him to do. So I have no idea how he's going to fit into our team at all. Like, but like if some team wants a guy who can just like block the hell out of the run at guard, like Dorian Johnson is a dude. Like he, he beats his guy at the point of attack and he's, he's pretty explosive. I, I liked him. I don't. I'm not like crazy about him, and I don't think I'd be crazy about taking him in the second round. That feels like a really big reach. I feel like if we picked him up in the second round, he would slot in immediately as a starter, and he would be a very good one. He'd be an above-average NFL offensive guard in a zone-blocking system. I think he has the movement skills to pull it off. I definitely agree they didn't ask him to do a lot of that in college, but when you saw him get out and move on tape, I saw him throwing blocks on screenplays and stuff. He has these quick feet and he can kind of get out and get going. He looks like a right tackle pulling. And if you look at his measurables, he has really good measurables for a right tackle. And so I think that, I think that he would be a good fit, but I understand what your hesitation he's is. Very, he's very explosive. And like he was, yeah, and the place where he pulled, I think, is the place you're talking about. Yes. Where he, and I mean, when he pulled, he like found his guy and he knew his job. Like, and that Every you, time. you can't ask like much more than that from a pulling guard. Like, your pulling guard in a running offense is really important. And that's why I think he's going to end up on some team, you know, that just wants to run power run, like maybe Kansas City or something, you know, and he's just going to end up like pulling guard for them and being Chicago. awesome. Yeah. Well. That's what they kind of want to be when Chicago's they can figure mess, out what they are. But that is what they want to do. <laughs> so who I are we going to give them? Are we going to give the fans Taylor Moten at right tackle or Dorian Johnson at guard? Well, let me ask this since I don't want to be super redundant. You said you were going to start with me and then you're going to the fans. I was also going to say tackle. So my question to, to kind of get my point in, is there any guard or either one of these guys you see that could play guard and tackle? Well, I mean, the guy Kevin just talked about. Moton is, the, ta- is Mot- the tackle. Moton is the guy who could play guard or tackle. And that's the guy. Okay, so you're taking Taylor Moton. Has- I'll give Dorian Johnson to the some people think Some people think that... Because uh, that, uh, that's a very uh, Seahawks pick. That Moton could 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 uh, like end up being like a, a right or even left tackle, like a solid NFL tackle. I'm not sure I see it, but I understand what they're saying. I think... Yeah, I, I think you there's could put project- him out on tackle. There's projectability there. Like, yes. He he could be really good. And there's, there's, you know, do you get sucked into that thinking that you have the O-line guru, Tom Cable? I saw him blocking your boy Watt pretty well. Yeah, but don't even talk about him. 
<laughs> he's too good, and we're not going to get him, and I'm going to be so sad. All right, Nate, who are you taking in the second round? What position do you want? Like, you took a defensive end slash defensive tackle in the first round. You went D-line in the first round. Yeah, I'm probably taking one of these middle-round cornerbacks. I think there's a lot of good ones, uh, and like I like a lot of them. I'm curious to hear which one's your favorite, because I obviously have a favorite. There's one secondary I really got into last year in college football, Kevin. You probably know what it is. Yeah, you're going to talk about Colorado. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Akella Witherspoon, who I think, like, is... I just... Colorado secondary was awesome last year. And so I just think, like, getting any of those guys out of that secondary... And then he has the measurables the Seahawks want. He's six foot three. He's he's slight, but he could bulk up. You know, everyone can bulk up once they get to a real... Are We have the best weightlifting coach on the Seahawks. Honestly, I think he's a third-round guy. He'll be there. Okay, because I mean that's that's the guy I'm really into in these in this day two cornerbacks. That's the guy. Because if you're taking a second round corner out of uh, out of Colorado, you're getting a Chidobi Awuzie. He's going to be the round two. Is he rising up that much? He's uh, a better cover corner. He's going to be he's going to be a day two guy. I think because his uh, change of direction is better. and I, he has inside-outside flexibility. I think he's going to end up being the guy that gets hit I earlier. I've seen him because, like, like I said, I love Colorado secondary. I've seen him as far down as like end of first round, and as far up as like fourth round. Like, yeah. he, he's all over the place. Is that that's all these corners? Is that because like the all these guys are so good that they could land anywhere, or is it like does is there a flaw in Ouzier's game that is causing him to be evaluated differently by different teams? So there's two <laughs> factors. One is, and this is, I also am going defensive back. Uh, well, if so Sidney Jones ones. is there, I'm taking him. Yeah. Injury and all. I think I agree with that completely. If he's not, then I'm looking at, see, Kevin King's another guy. They're talking anywhere from end of round one to end of round uh, three. Three, yeah. Uh, Quincy Wilson, somewhere from like the 20th overall pick. To like the end of round two. Where's Jalen Tabor at right now? Like, uh, he- Tease Tabor. Yeah. Tease Tabor is a pure, in, in my opinion, he's not an outside corner guy. And I've seen some other people say that too. Okay. And so he's He'll looking round three with no him and Tre Davis White, because everyone's playing so much nickel, they're going to get taken, uh, and they have return skills. They're going to get taken somewhere like end of round one, first half of round two. Really? Yes. Tabor, Tabor's like a, like his tape was, was, Inconsistent. It, it was inconsistent, but like the highlights but, were high, man. Yes, like, he's he's electric. So he's Aluzier, really good. He's a, he makes really big plays. I love the guys on the outside that just make like huge plays. Like I could just yeah, you know the the I don't want to bring this play up, but you know that play that we lost on in the Super Bowl. Yes, that's he's the kind of guy that makes that play for the Seahawks. Yes, you know, but he's also the kind of guy who like bites on a head fake uh-huh. and gives up an eighty yard touchdown for sure. <laughs> He's just, he's that I guy. I don't like hearing that. Where's, uh, where's Cordrea Tankersley at? Cordrea Tankersley's, uh, I had him in our mix for our round one pick. Okay. Um, he's gonna be like back half of round, like back ten of round one or front half of round two. <laughs> I don't think he drops to us. Because there's so many of them. Like there's like 11 good cornerbacks in there this There are <clears throat> about eight cornerbacks that are around six foot or over with yes. pretty long arms. And pretty good change of direction skills, like right, like the Seahawks aren't taking Jackson for out of USC. Like, no, that's it's It's he is not the kind of cornerback we look for. Odori Jackson He's also good. also he was a playmaker in college. He didn't really play corner, and he needs a lot of development at corner. He's going to go higher than he should, in my opinion. The thing that I think is really interesting about Awuzie is if Awuzie ends up being, um, and he could be our third round pick too, but he only had three interceptions. 
uh, in his college career, but he has a lot of breakups and he has eight sacks. This guy's a crazy good nickel blitzer and he has eight sacks for a cornerback. That's awesome. Yeah. And he flips his hips really well. He mirrors really well. He has inside outside experience. He kind of lacks recovery speed and that's kind of a knock on a few of these guys, but I could see and would love to see, um, Awuzie, Wilson or King for I mean, corner. Honestly, and I'll take any of these guys that are dropping. Like, if any of these guys, like, like White out of LSU or like Moreau or any of these guys, like, just starts dropping like into the third round. Fabian Moreau is going to be a third round pick because that injury. I mean, he was like, a, he was a top of second round pick, and then he tore his pectoral. That's what I'm saying. Like anybody who has like is dropping like that, like just snap them up. They're all good. Yeah. Like all of these, all of these cornerbacks are awesome. And if we don't leave this draft with one good cornerback, I feel like it's going to be a huge disappointment. I agree, because. The thing that we're kind of talking around is the fact that there's a giant tie for like third best corner in this draft. Right. They're after Lattimore and, and Humphrey. Uh, Humphrey. Like those and guys so, are awesome and yes. we're not getting them. And so you're getting people who are like, oh, this person's five ten and a half instead of six foot. This person has thirty one and a half inch arms instead of thirty three inch arms. Oh, this person <laughs> doesn't fill and tackle with right technique. Oh, this person played mostly zone I or mostly press man. And so, like, that's yeah. why you get these people getting pushed two rounds up or down. I agree with your original analysis, though, which was that you said Gary and Conley is probably the the best of the next level. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree with that. The more I watch, he just seems NFL ready. Like he could step onto the field for the Seahawks tomorrow and he'd probably already be really good. Yeah. Um, so the other guys all have a bigger question mark to me. I would say he's clearly tier two for me after those first two guys. And then tier three starts after, after Conley. He's and like tier two. Yeah. Tier two tier, or tier, or like tier one point five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's definitely not as good as those top two guys. I mean, and no shame in that. Those both those top two guys are incredible. So, do you want talents. that height? Am I giving you Kevin King at six three? I would. I want Witherspoon. You man. want Witherspoon? I okay. Don't, I don't care. I, so, I think Akella Witherspoon. So, here's my write up on him. I'll go to my round three dudes. Akella Witherspoon. He is tall, long, and fast. He has fluid hips. Um, his feet are good. He has ball skills. He can make picks. Um, he's raw in his reads. Mm-hmm. His technique is kind of iffy. He gets handsy with wide receivers, and that could get him in trouble, but that also kind of makes him fit in. He can turn with receivers and run, but he's kind of slow in his turn. He's not quick with his hip flip when he has to go into drop coverage, so I could see him getting beaten over the top, but that's something that our safeties help with, or specifically Earl Thomas helps with. Two things about him. One, he covered John Ross good. Well, covered on, I'm going to use proper English. And two, he had 22 <laughs> passes broken up, which is like a lot. That's, yeah, because he's so that's, long. It's a staggering number. Like, it's because he's big. And I think that's why, for me, he feels like the best scheme fit. Like, he feels like a guy who ends up on the Seahawks. Does that make sense? Like, he yeah. just, I look at him and I think Seahawks cornerback. And he's got kind of an attitude. Which, I don't know. Maybe we, we don't need does any that, more of those. I don't know. But, does that not sound like a Seahawks thing, though? Yeah. And for, we always talk about, you know, drafting people to let them be themselves. For all those reasons, if we can't pick up uh, Sidney Jones, <laughs> I'm taking the other corner out of Washington. I'm taking Kevin King with Kevin that 26 King. pick. For all the reason that all the reasons that Nathan likes Akella Witherspoon, those are all the same reasons I like Kevin King. And the only thing I like more about Kevin King, I think Kevin King's a better tackler. 
which is also why he might not be available. He's a little bit shorter, though. Got, he's got, six three. Isn't he six foot? No, he's six three. I thought he measured in at six. Six three is a six great three, height. Two hundred. Yeah. Well, then yes, they're all. <clears throat> yeah, they're they're ridiculously big. Yeah, and I'm sorry, we talked a little about this last week, but oh, you're but he okay. has one inch shorter arms, Kevin. <laughs> I like, like I wanted to do that nitpicking you were talking about. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you guys, you guys are both high on Sidney Jones, though. Yeah, and he it was an it was an Achilles, not an ACL. It was an Achilles. Okay, so he could lose a step, but okay. he's losing a step off of four four speed. And is he is he playing in the 2017 season? They're saying he is. And I think he probably will. Okay. And they, I'm sorry, they are the uh, His people. Okay. Um, and then uh, See, there's want- people talking about the draft, and okay. they're saying he'll play sometime in 2016. Okay, those are the people I want to believe. His people, I don't trust his people. Because his people just want to pay. Yo, I've met his people, though. They're pretty good people. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, <laughs> they were sitting at the booth across from us in Ballard for breakfast, and uh, it was a... Uh, Sidney Jones' uncle. He's a really nice guy. And you just gave him a nod over pancakes. Basically. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if you, the bottom line is if you guys are high on Sidney Jones, I'm fine with it. I was high on him, maybe not as high as you guys, but I was third round high on him. But when he. Sidney Jones injured, is a top 20 pick. When he got injured, I just. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of college football, as you two know, but I do watch local games. I'd like to bring in one kind of surprise guy, though. Another guy, he's a safety and a slot player, Desmond King out of Iowa. Um, he won the award for best defensive back in 2015. Came back, Iowa was down. He was a little down last year. He's one of those guys, he's 5'10", 200 pounds. And he runs in the high four fours. So people keep talking about, you know, he won't stick on the outside. He's five, getting nitpicked hard. 5'10", there you go, Nathan. So he's a four-year starter. He's instinctive. His read is great. He's such an, he's just so high IQ. His, the, his cerebral style of play, I think fits well with what our defensive backs do. But that being said, I think you get good play out of a Keller Witherspoon, good play out of Kevin King. If either of those guys are there, I think that's who we take. All right. So you, it does, it's second round, where we're sitting in the second round seems like a good chance for us to just kind of, Snipe whichever cornerback is left, you know? Yeah. Whichever one fell, cause there's, like I said, there's like 12 or even 15 quality cornerbacks in this draft. It's a ridiculous number. Like, which, I mean. There if, are guys who will go in the early third that would go late first some years. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so who? So that's round two. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at round three. Round three is kind of weird because we have our, our round three pick, which is a late round three pick plus Two compensation compensatory picks. I really think that we're gonna package two of those picks together to move up in this round. It just seems like there's gonna be someone left, someone who got overlooked, someone who just is falling. And it seems like re- in recent years we've moved up in rounds two and three to get kind of guys we like. Uh, it happened with Lockett is a good example of this. Yeah, moved up into round three and got it. So I would not be surprised if we package some of these round three picks to either move into. The back of the second round, or use them to move up in the second round, or use them to get into the front of the third round, something like that. I think there's two things are going to happen because you can trade compensatory picks now, which is so good. Be, used to not be able to. So I think Nathan hit it. I expect us to make no more than two third round picks. They're either going to be packaged to move up, like you said, or the other thing that I think could happen is you could see not the compensatory pick, but our third round pick dealt to pick up like because we don't have a fourth or a fifth 
I could see us dealing our, we lost the fourth in the trade with New England to move up last year. We lost the fifth due to illegal practices. Ah, I always forget about the illegal practices. So I could see trading down out of the third into the fourth and maybe picking up a late five. But I think one of those will happen. I would be kind of surprised if we made all three third round picks. If we do make all three third round picks, that means dudes dropped. Yep. And that's good for us. I agree. I don't. Honestly, I feel like we're going to be trading down. Seahawks love those mid-round picks, and third round isn't exactly middle round. It's like a high middle round. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really happy about that. I want to get the most talent, the best talent yeah, still we're, left. Yeah, we're not a team that's <laughs> far away, so so like getting extra picks and stuff. Like trading all three of our third rounders to get into the first round or the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. Yeah, if, there's, not, if that un- dude is there. It's not unreasonable to me because, to be honest, this draft is really talented especially in there's a couple positions we need. We don't need a lot. We need a cornerback. I would like to see us get an inside interior or exterior lineman, uh, maybe even both uh, and one offensive lineman. And then the rest of the guys are like depth and you know, it's good to have depth. We saw last year how injuries can kind of slow a team down, but this team uses UDFAs like sixth and seventh round picks. Right. People want, we to lotto pick us. that stuff. Well, and people want to come play for us. Like we're one of the popular UDFA destinations. It's yep. like, the Cowboys are another one. Cowboys always get good value out of UDFAs because people want to go play for Jerry Jones. And who can blame him, to be honest? Like, I don't, people just act like Jerry Jones sucks or whatever, but he's kind of got a big track record of success. Yeah. And, um, and getting what he wants. And so, yeah, I would say now we're that. People want to come play for us. They want to play for Pete Carroll. Like, we use that to our advantage a little yeah, bit. We look like we have fun. There's this big, uh, you know, they talk up the fans a lot, which seems cheesy, but, you know, you talk to some of these college players that played in, you know, 10,000, in front of 10,000 people, 20,000 people, um, and they want to come play in front of a big crowd. Or you talk to these people who, you know, played, played for Mich- Michigan, Ohio State, exactly, who are used to playing in front of 100,000 rabid fans, and they're going, and they go, man, I feed off that energy. That's the place yeah. I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to be able to play my best. This is the only team that's anything like that. Yeah. In the NFL. Um, all right. So next round. Yep. Round three. I got a guy, Kevin. All right. I want, last year we got the run stopping defensive tackle, Jaron Reed. Okay. And I think now it's time for a more, I think I'm going to like what you're about to say. Pass rushing defensive tackle. And I think we should go after Jaleel Johnson from Iowa. Is that what you're thinking? Jaleel Johnson is one of my two defensive tackles I have listed for this round. All right. Good. So tell me what you think of Jaleel Johnson and then I'll kind of add to it. I think yours is more in depth. I think Jaleel Johnson is one of the best three-technique defensive tackles in this draft. People say it's kind of a thin D-tackle draft. I think this dude is for real. He's 6'3", 316. He had 10 tackles for a loss and seven and a half sacks his senior year. I think he had four sacks his junior year. He has really quick feet. He's a high-motor guy. He doesn't stop. He uh, has some pass rush moves. And his change of direction skills are really, really good for a big dude. His pad level gets high and sometimes he gets narrow, which means he gets kind of washed off the ball, which can happen to a three technique D tackle. But what you're getting is strong push up field. And the thing for us that I, this is why I liked him is I saw exactly what you said that, and he's not great against the run because of that same thing you just said. Like when he gets, he gets narrow and then he gets pushed out and then he's completely ineffective on running plays sometimes. On passing plays, it can matter less, especially when you're playing next to Michael Bennett. You know, they, 
one guy needs to get home. That's it. And this guy gets home a significant amount of time. I saw very few defensive tackles who had better, like, get to the quarterback skills than this guy has. Like, he gets the quarterback really well for interior defensive linemen. And, I mean, he's probably only would play second and third downs for us. We would, Jaron Reed's gonna play all the first downs, maybe with Tony, uh, a returning Tony McDaniel or some other. Well, a Ty Rubin. Tackle, a Ty Rubin, right. Like, I don't think that this guy would ever have to play first down. So, for us, it seems like a fantastic fit. Just like a, a guy who will fit on our team and rush the passer, just like you said. So I think that that's who I would, that is a guy who I've kind of like zoned in on, so to speak, uh, in the third round. For How us. is he in the running, run stopping game? And he could develop. Yeah, he's going to have to work on it. You see what's there. And honestly, he's a good athlete. For everything we say about developing defensive line, uh, offensive linemen, we develop defensive linemen pretty well. Across the board, we're pretty good at developing defensive players. Defensive players tend to get significantly better in our system. Well, I feel like, as a defensive lineman and or interior, you don't need instincts to do both. Like if your instincts are to rush the passer and you're really good at it, that's fine because you don't need the instincts to find out who's running directly at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Players are allowed to be more specialized yes. now. It's yes. like what you're, what you're saying is, and it's, it's like true. They will pick that up. And, yeah. and it's also, I think it's easier to pick up run stuffing than it is pass rushing. Right. Like, yeah. And some level, like he's just got to learn how to use his body and like get wide yeah. And not and not get so upright and narrow. And, then, and he I has mean, size. Those are things that you can you can you can coach it up. And like I said, in, our, in his first year, his rookie year, we're not going to ask him to do what he's bad at. We're going to say, hey, work on that in practice in the games. You're coming in on the, in the rush package, and you're going to destroy the quarterback. Well, he's also a bit of a body guy. Part of it is he carries some bad weight around the middle, and he lacks a little bit of the strength that you want. He looks to me like a guy. Who could add some of that functional strength when he's getting paid millions of dollars a year to weight train year round? Yeah, and also that the we have the best weight training staff. I cannot stress this enough. Like we have a world class strength and conditioning coach. So let me go a different yeah. direction with the okay. same thought. Okay, go for because it. I had a dude who I was looking at. I really like the idea of picking up a defensive lineman here, and if I'm going defensive tackle, the other guy I'm looking at is Elijah Qualls out of UW. Okay. He's another one of those guys who gets upfield really well, has a soft middle, kind of short-limbed. He can get stuck on blocks, but he plays really low. He plays really strong. He has good feet, and he has very good body control. He was a fullback in uh, high school. Yep. So I think he's a guy to look at, or the guy I love that might fall here, and this is who I want the most, Demarcus Walker out of Florida State. Yeah, that would be a, that, that would be a pretty big fall to get to the third round, though. You know, the only end of second would be would be end of second uh, is where, where you're looking at finding him. So it would be a significant fall. But this is a guy, 25 sacks in two years. He is very aware as a pass rusher. Okay. He's a heavy tackler. He gets off blocks. The, his efforts 50-50, and he could be a little sloppy. The reason he's he would fall is because his body is like not a good fit for any position in the NFL. He's such a tweener. He's like six four two eighty, and he's like. He's exactly in between, like being a per- like he needs to get a little bulkier if he really wants to play defensive end. But his he body doesn't get- look like it'll carry it. He needs to get in a little leaner if he wants to play three uh, four end or even rush end. Like he just, I mean, three four outside linebacker seems like where he'll end up. But I don't know. Like he's just, he has he's he right, has Bennett's body. He's right on the edge. Like a he could if he could learn from a guy like Bennett, he'd be a really good fit. I just have a feeling he'll get picked a little before the third round. But if he's there, I would love him. Yeah, he's good. 
Uh, he had a lot of sacks. Didn't he have like 11 sacks he was, or something? He had 25 sacks in his last two years. Yeah. That's a lot of sacks. Yes. So looks like we're going defensive line. Who are you going with? Oh, he had 16 Kirk? sacks his senior year, dude. Yeah. That's legit. I'm inclined to go defensive line in the third round. I My, my picks were cornerback in the first round, offensive tackle guard mm-hmm. in the second round. I like the defensive tackle that can speed rush. So you like Jaleel Johnson? Can I talk you into a different guy? If you'd like to. So I will say that Nathan Elijah Elijah Qualls too, the thing about him, like not to go back to the other defensive tackle, is mm-hmm. that like he's he could be like a first round value, like at the end of the day. He also could be out of the NFL in two years, no problem. Like yeah, I, he's a coin flip. He's like there's so many questions I have about him just in terms of like what he's gonna be in the NFL. I have no idea. And I like I'm reading like his his draft profile now, and it's like that's what scouts say too. And like I don't know. I feel like I've watched a lot of UW, and I never was like, yeah, that's the guy. we got to have him. I don't right. know. I feel like when I watched, there were times where he blew everything up. Yeah, he's good. Like, he, I, I don't know. He just could, he could be, like I said, he could be a 10. Like, he could be, like, really, really good. Or he could wash out. I think that you have that pretty well nailed. Like, right. if, if he can't overcome some of the limitations <laughs> of his body, then he could be a really ineffective player. Who so, do you want to sell me on? I want to sell you on a guy that I know Nate's seen plenty of tape of, even though he didn't watch it for this particular player. Uh, Deshaun Hall played defensive end across from oh, Miles Garrett. Him. Yeah, this guy's actually pretty good. I looked at him. He's 6'5", 266. He came in as an outside linebacker. He, they say he has room to add weight. He could bulk up. He's, he could be like a 6'5", 275, 280 guy. If and we keep he, all the compensatory picks, this is a guy I would love to see us take with like the end of third round compensatory. It'd be so good. He's like, because that's the range he's going to go. Like, yes. Late third or the whole fourth round. He'll be gone by the fifth round. And he's a hard worker. He is really long. But he can flex and bend, and he needs to add bulk, but he has the frame to do it. Because right now the problem is that sometimes he'll get a little bit high and get washed out. His body type is different. Oh, there we go. My phone ringing. This is you're, classy. You're welcome, y'all. I'm no, like, this guy is an end, not I'm a... Like, I'm like Bill Simmons now, guys. My phone ring during a podcast. <laughs> so I think he would have a similar career trajectory to a guy like Red Bryant. Okay. Who... Like, his first year, he has so much physical tools, he could come in and kind of spot play. But by that second or third year, he could be a really strong guy in the rotation. And he's an end right now? He's an end. Would and I think that's where he tackle? sticks. Okay, he sticks at end. I don't think... I mean, he's one of those guys, you know, he's 266. Again, he's 6'5", and he's he's a big-bodied kid. He could add a lot of really good weight. And I could see him maybe being able to slide in as a three-technique defensive tackle on... Uh, pass downs, but I think he yes. really is an end. Well, a guy that you said started as linebacker, end, end that's that sounds like linebacker that moved to end sounds like a Seahawk. Well, his movement skills, like he's so rangy, you could see him stunting and just taking up a mile of space. And another thing about the, another thing about him is that it's another guy. All these guys we've been talking about, I don't think we're gonna have a lot of problems on run downs. Jaron Reed is gonna develop a little bit more and i think we're going to be pretty stout against the run a type of reuben is a mauler yeah. so with reuben and reed like i'm not worried about rundowns all the guys we've mentioned so far they're kind of pass rush specialists some of them inside some of them outside like they're guys who can get to the passer and i think we're all in agreement right yeah is that that's what the seahawks kind of need to look for yes so are we taking who are you taking you want julia johnson still yes yes that's yeah. my guy that's my guy too uh another thing too 
if we get a guy like Jalil Johnson, Mike Michael Bennett doesn't have to play DT on pass downs anymore. And he gets we to can, stay at end is so we good. We can we can be flexible. We can have him at pa- on at DT sometimes on pass downs, but we also can have Johnson Rubin for pass downs, which well, is that's very effective. Not even taking consideration if we get Tony uh, Quentin Jefferson back or Quentin Jefferson. Quentin so, Jefferson has the exactly. body to play that same spot. So so I'm it makes me uh it makes me very happy. Like all all these guys we've been talking about. I, like I said, defensive wise, this is a great draft, and the Seahawks are good at finding defensive talent. Here's one thing I'll say: we're saying talking to all these guys. We talk about all these guys. And there are guys that we like and guys that we don't. At the end of the day, I'm not even going to pretend like I'm as good at evaluating football players, especially defensive ones, as these guys. Uh, We're talking I, about one of the best front offices in the if, NFL. If we end up taking a cornerback and it's drafting. not the guy I thought was best, I'm not going to go, oh, man, we shouldn't have taken that guy. I'm going to go, they probably saw something I didn't or they interviewed him and it went really well. Like They get extra information that we don't. So keep in mind, trust the process. They built a great defense. Like a legendarily great defense. Yeah, to kind of back this point, you know, I said Cam Robinson round one. If they pick Forrest Lamp, I'm going, man, they think that he is going to be the best guard in the NFL. You know, yeah. and I have no problem they with that. They love Forrest Lamp from everything and I've read. And they should. They love Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp's great. You know, if they go with uh, Akella Lamp. Witherspoon over Kevin King, or if they go with, um, uh, oh, the corner, the Safety out of UConn, uh, Obi Mellon Fonwu, yep. uh, who's a 6'3 safety with cover skills. If they go with him in the second round, you know, that's a guy I could see projecting at corner. That's a guy who has a place in this defense. And I'll be going, so really what we're saying is, you know, this is the place we think they should be picking up the rangy corner. <coughs> this is the place they should be picking up the athletic guard. And these are kind of our placeholder guys. As best we can tell, these are the guys that fit that bill. Yeah. I- and um yeah, I think I think there's one position I'm good at evaluating. That's quarterbacks. That's that's the one position I feel like I can say with some authority. Like I feel like I know what I'm talking about. And uh, well, there's so a, let's pretend we're getting one more day two pick. It's a boring boring quarterback because draft, there's two to say the least. Yes. So there's two. Oh, you're gonna make me look at my uh, third round picks. Guys that I've looked at. Yep. So there's two more third round picks. We're figuring one's probably going to get dealt. That means we have one more day two pick. So, Eric, right now you have a defensive back, uh, probably tackle slash guard, and a defensive tackle, a rush defensive tackle. What do you want? Do you want what I want or what I think the Seahawks could possibly do? Because let me, let me say this. What I want, I want the best player available, meaning if there's a great pass rusher available still, I'd want that. If there's a cornerback that fell, I'd want that. My immediate thought is offensive line. I say the Seahawks doing something crazy like wide receiver. Yeah, man, they're gonna draft Cooper Cup. Just kidding. <laughs> or, or hey, if Cooper you want good roots, you want man. a third round wide receiver. Or if you want to indulge me, Kevin, you can even throw in, uh, give me a receiver and give me a running back. See, I would have thought before the draft started exactly what you just said that we might draft a running back. But now, like after signing, yep, signing free agency kind of killed it. We like, picked I, up Lacey. I really don't think that we're going to sign a run. We're sitting on four running, running backs, back. like because there's some there's some running backs with real talent that might have been available in the. So let me give you two running backs I wrote down because I I thought you might do this <laughs> okay. and two wide receivers who I really like. Hey Kevin, is one of them? Uh, is one of them kind of a heavy hitter? One of them could be. That's a Joe Mixon joke. Yeah. Is it really? Did you did you really go there? Uh, I think that that would be a a really plus player. That would be a value pick. I mean, he's really good at football, and it really he really knows how to throw a good right hook to a person that is completely 
way smaller than oh my gosh joe mixon is the worst if we draft joe mixon i'm gonna i don't like to do this this moralizing frank clark and joe mixon on the same team (laughs) what a beating so kevin kevin just he's i left him speechless right there sorry so wide receiver amara darbo out of michigan is so i could give you two guys they're six two they're high pointers they're 50 50 ball guys they're goodbye jermaine curse guys Oh, <laughs> okay. This is this yeah, is an Eric special, tall guys. So the one I like the most, Zay Jones out of uh, East Carolina. Part of it because it's a directional Carolina team, and I just love those. But part of it's because I think this guy is the real deal. He has he's extreme production. He set NCAA records. Isn't he really really fast too? Didn't he run a really good forty? He for a six two guy, he runs like low four four yeah, low four five. Four four five is great. He's the all time FBS receptions leader. He catches with his hands. He's A-plus on 50-50 balls. Uh, his only problem is he struggles a little bit to create separation. But if you're thinking about a guy who can go downfield, he can play in the slot or he can play on the outside. And if you want a guy to go down the field and make a play on the ball 15 to 20 yards down the field, this is one of the best guys in the whole draft. And there's a good chance he'll be available in those compensatory third round picks because there's just enough guys that do it a little better but he could be a really big value and a really good fit in the offense okay Kevin, please say juju smith schuster as your other guy juju smith schuster is going to be early in the uh, i think he's gonna go in the second second. he's gonna be early in the second i late second but but like i think like juju smith schuster when i watched it he reminds me of shank of like a like a much better jamaicers like i instantly had this thought like this guy's like He's he uses his body really well. He uses his body really well, but Zay Jones does the same thing, and he's a better leaper. The only thing I have a problem with Zay Jones is that uh, he's he's like the level of competition thing. You know, it's like it's hard to say jumping up from from like the AAC to the NFL, like what he'll be. He could be really great in everything you expect, and he's gonna work hard. Like I'm not, I have no doubt about that. He seems like the kind of guy who'd work hard from the interviews and stuff. Yeah. The reason why, the reason why that concern's a little bit alleviated with me is because if you look at the AAC, first of all, they're putting some defensive back talent into this draft in the higher rounds. That's one thing. But the other thing that's really good to me is he knocked everyone's socks off in the one-on-one drills in the senior bowl. Like this is a guy who was like a fifth round pick. And then in the senior bowl, one-on-one against these great defensive backs, this dude held his own and then more. He was one of the people that was on everybody's lips and pushed himself up the draft board because he really showed he could compete against this level of player. And I think that that's going to hold true. So the two running backs, there's Marlon Mack out of South Florida and Kareem Hunt out of Toledo, and they're kind of the same player. Uh, Mack is 5'11", 213. Hunt is 5'10", 216. They're both kind of compact players. They're both really good receivers. They come out of kind of spread offenses that ask you to catch the ball a lot. Uh, Marlon Mack is really slippery. He's a fluid kind of cutter. And he's, but he's not the great at picking up yards after contact. But he's a guy who can kind of um, create room and make cuts. He could end up being a plus guy. He's kind of a change of pace back. Kareem Hunt is compact and muscular. Like, think about, like, a Doug Martin build. Okay. And he has really good hips, like really good Like a Warwick Dunn. But, like, broad. Broader, okay. Um, and he's 5'10", so he's not that short. No one's that short. 
<laughs> he is a guy who always falls forward. And he has some pass pro ability. Like, he's a decent pass protector. The thing about him that's going to knock him into that third round area, Kareem Hunt, is that he's not a super explosive guy. Like, he's one of those players where, you know, you'll see him, like, burst through the line and get up, like, 10, 12 yards and get caught from behind. Okay. Because he doesn't have that extra gear for those big breakout runs. But he can hit those 20-yarders on occasion. And he has the skills to make one or two guys miss. You want consistency, I guess. But I don't know. Like Nathan said, I'm not really high on the running back right now. I just I don't Seahawks, think we need one. The Seahawks will do something that is going to make you scratch your head a little bit. And it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be a good pick no matter what it is. But that's why I put receiver out there because I, I see us doing something. So I have like two that. kind of what the hell picks. Yes. So one of them. What punter is it, Kevin? Is I don't I I don't like you. (laughs) I didn't say it was a nightmare pick. So one of those things is I could see us picking up a second defensive back here. I think if we pick up like a true outside guy, like Witherspoon, like Awuzier, like Kevin King, then I would like to see us pick up a guy like Cameron Sutton out of Tennessee, or. A guy like Jordan Lewis out of Michigan or Justin Evans out of Texas A&M. These are nickel corners? These are guys who played outside or safety (laughs) or inside. These are versatile defensive backs in college that project as plus nickel guys. These are kind of those guys where they're running in that more 4-5 instead of 4-4-5 range. So they're a step slower, but they have that really good fluid movement. So they can match your Julian Edelman's guys who don't have that breakaway speed. And they're guys who are flexible and they're guys who Cameron Sutton, the knock on him is he's not a great tackler and he's a little slight. I feel like Jordan Lewis puts his nose in there. He played for Michigan. If you're a defensive back and you play for hardball and you don't tackle, he just takes you off the field. He doesn't care about you. Like your life is over for him. Justin Evans out of Texas A&M. He was a center field safety for them. But he showed man cover skills, and I think if we picked up Justin Evans, I think he's going to be the guy that makes Cam in the box Cam linebacker Cam, and he could make that happen because Justin Evans is like a really, really talented safety. We've talked a lot about the corners. There are some elite safety talents in this draft that's going to push a guy like Justin Evans into the third round who probably shouldn't be that late. Yeah, I would just want whoever dropped, like, if that's where, if I'm picking it then at the third round, but, like, if I have to put a name to it, I think we need a linebacker. Uh, so, like, Raekwon McMillan? I don't know. Raekwon McMillan out of Ohio State He's and good. Tyus Bowser are the two guys, Tyus Bowser out of Houston. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, Raekwon McMillan guys. seems like the guy that would, you know, like, fall to us at the end of the third round, cause he broke, didn't he, like, no, he didn't break his arm. That's a different guy. That's the Florida guy. Yeah. It's Alex Anceloni, right? Yes, and um, I, didn't really like what I saw from him as far as a and fit. He's injury prone. Like, I don't know. It's We don't play with three linebackers on the field that much, but it does feel like a position where we really lack depth. I know we signed a bunch of guys, but they're all total question marks, and they're all special teams guys. So I'm not sure, did we sign them to compete to actually play linebacker, or did we sign them to just play on special teams? Does that make sense? Yep, and I completely agree. Raquel McMillan, Tyus Bowser, uh, Jared Davis out of Florida – is really good. They've talked about him in the first. They've talked about him in the third. He's another one of those guys. Yeah, Raquan McMillan is someone who I, I'm 
fairly positive will be there at the end of the third round. Yeah. He's, that's because that's like almost exactly where most people grade him. And he could be a value third, pick there. Third round ish. The guy I don't like that people talk about in the second round is Ryan Anderson out of, uh, Alabama. He's okay. more like a pure pass rush guy, but he's like all effort. He'll he, get you a lot of coverage sacks. He'd be like a Clay Matthews type. No. Well, not as much of a jerk and let worse at pass rushing. Is it someone yeah, who? Yeah. So that's not a great player. Do the no. scouts say he's a, uh, like he's a motor guy? Motor guy sounds like a guy who works really hard but doesn't have the raw talent. He has a lot of ability. Motor it's just red. like he's he'll finish off the coverage sacks. <laughs> okay. You know, that's his price for flight. All right. So uh, <laughs> let's, both uh, of you. <laughs> let's uh let's go ahead and get through the NFL news in like 2 minutes or less since we took 52 minutes talking about the draft. Yeah, right let's there. do that. All right. So Tony Romo is leaving football to go into broadcasting. And other than Houston, and he's replacing Phil Sims. Yes, even better. Uh, so, uh, first of all, we said it for weeks. Tony Romo is going to be the best announcer in the NFL immediately. He will be the best color announcer from day one. The first day he steps into the booth, uh, he'll be the best. Uh, the fact that he's stepping into CBS's number one team is obviously really great. Uh, it sucks for fans of the Houston Texans or Jacksonville Jaguars, whoever thought they had a small chance of getting Tony Romo to come play football for them. But uh, you know this what? Another thing I don't like about it. Good for Anthony Romo. It, also, I wish Tony Romo would just had one last ride where he won a bunch of playoff games and could shut everyone up. Because this guy, he retires with the third best quarterback rating of any quarterback all time. Yep, and probably won't make the Hall of Fame ever. He's uh, he's a borderline Hall of Famer to me. He played in a very pass-heavy era and was never the best quarterback in the league during that era. That's the argument against him, and I completely agree with that argument. But he was a top five quarterback for almost the entirety of his career. He played 14 seasons. He made the playoffs on teams that had no business making the playoffs. He played on a lot of garbage teams. Look at those teams when he was injured. How yeah. well they did. Yeah, they was they would win like they one were game when he was gone. Like he was, yeah. he carried a bad team just year after year after year. Um, good for Tony Romo, one of my personal favorites. Uh, may he uh, find joy in announcing. And you know, if he decides to come back. I'm all in, man. I want there is, my chips, and I love Tony Romo. There so. is talk of him being like that week 10, week 11, you know, your quarterback sucks and or is injured, and Tony Romo right. can just the, step in. The 5-5 five and five Jacksonville Jaguars just need a quarterback. They need Bortles <laughs> to die. <laughs> they have an easy schedule the rest uh, of the way. Let me ask you, was he injured? Was there something he couldn't get over? I mean, what was what was the reason for his retirement? He said it's his health. I think it's because Jerry Jones wasn't going to release him. I and think he, he wasn't, wasn't going to go through all that grind just to, to play backup all year. Not, but to not play, like he wants to play. He either want, I think in his heart he wants to play, and if he can't play, because Jerry Jones wants to have him as a backup. And you know what? To be honest, that's Jerry Jones is right. Like he gave him a huge contract. If he's willing to pay him eighteen million dollars to stand there with a clipboard and help Dak Prescott, it's good for him. Yeah. What does Jerry like, care? Like that's that. You know that's his right. He saved the cap room for it. Uh, it sucks for Tony Romo that 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 this is kind of how it ends. Yeah, but whatever, man. He's a great player. Like he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Like I said, um, very good football player. And um, it's, it's sad we'll never get to see him light it up again. Because when he was good, man, he was real good. Yeah, real and good. he's not a guy who came out of nowhere. But I mean, he's undrafted. Yeah, he came out of nowhere. Undrafted. He came out of nowhere exactly. Yeah. You know, what I'm really happy about is he retired, so I can finally like him. <laughs> There you go. I'm with you on that, Kevin. Because he was the quarterback for the Cowboys. I I only hated him out of obligation. Now that that he's gone from the Cowboys, he can wash that Cowboys stank off him. It's not like Aikman, who's just a bad human being. (laughs) I I, I like 
when it comes to non Seahawks teams, I never really can get into the sports hate. Like I just, I just have a hard time doing it. And uh, so I know, you know, when there's a great player on a team and everyone hates him and I don't understand why, I'm like, Tony Romo's really good. Why does everyone say he sucks? You know, that's like, okay, Nate. I, I got enough just, hate in my heart for both of us. I felt like a, I felt like I had to protect him. You know, I had to step in and so many times be like, you guys are idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. Tony Romo's really good. Like, please shut up. That's why Nathan adores Tom Brady. Uh, Speaking of Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, he has lobbied the owners, the other owners, to repeal the league's weed policy. One, this is defense because Ezekiel Elliott probably smokes a ton of weed. (laughs) Two, if Jerry Jones wants it, it's going to happen. Jerry Jones and these owners things, he always gets what he wants. So uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I think when you're running into federal law, that's a challenge. But, I mean... I'm going to say, uh, look at where legislature has gone over the last decade in the United States and, you know, look at the cards on the table, man. Let's all be realistic. These are adults making money that, you know, I mean, there's laws to address when they're stupid. All right. Uh, officially too, Jerry Jones gave permission to GMs to pursue Romo. So if, if they go after him and he, he could get lulled right back out of retirement, like don't, this isn't over yet. I don't think, because Jerry Jones has given other general missions, general managers positions to talk to him. Uh, Adrian Peterson met with the Patriots. Is there nothing more perfect in the world than that pairing? We've talked about this before. It just it seems inevitable. Yeah, it, I hate that it's going to happen because it's going to work. Yeah, somehow he wouldn't work on any team, but that team it'll work. Uh, okay, Rob Gronkowski appeared at WrestleMania. Uh, he helped his friend Mojo Rawley, who was college football teammate, Win a battle royal. Uh, I just think that's hilarious. That's there, it. there was a security guard that didn't wasn't in on the the gag, and she tried to stop him from entering the ring. Uh, Good on her for doing her job. Unless it's Sting's friend RoboCop or Mr. T, I don't care about your wrestling cameos. <laughs> uh, another thing too, Tony. One more Tony Romo thing. Uh, he said if the Cowboys really needed him, he'd be back in a second. That's like a literal thing he said. So obviously he. Yeah, he, uh, he's not he's not he, done yet. Don't he still loves her? He still loves her. Out, he, don't count out Tony Romo. He, he knows he can play, and that's the thing with this Dallas team. You know, if he jumps in at the last minute, it could be his Super Bowl run. <coughs> um. All right, and then my last thing uh, is just this is a story that just interests me. Andre Ellington, the uh, the Cardinals running back, he will now be the Cardinals wide receiver. What? Yeah, remember Andre Ellington? He was like a scat back. He was yeah. like, he was always like on the fringes of being good. He's now going to be playing wide receiver for them. I thought that was really interesting. I don't think that's going to change anything about his role, except he's going to line up in the slot and in the backfield. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I he's going to be the same player. I thought it was kind of cool. Like it's neat. I it, mean, it's a second chance at life for him because obviously Arizona has found a very good running back. This is also college bleeding into the NFL. I mean, this happens all the time in college. You have a guy like C.J. Procise or uh, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, where it's like, yeah, he's a wide receiver on downs where we need a wide receiver and a running back on downs where we need a running back. If you got the body to be both, do it. Hey, Eric, can you tell me? So that's uh, NFL, our quick and uh, on the NFL news. Eric, can you tell me if you want to support the CXNS podcast, how you can do so? Oh, man, if you want to uh, ask me that question, I can tell you that you're going to want to, one, become a Patreon subscriber. We have a bunch of different levels that you can join at. Would that be at patreon.com slash Seahawksnest? I believe that's the address, Kevin. You, you also, may, can, you also want to repeat it. There's a big button that says sign up on our Facebook page. There is. That's facebook.com slash Seahawksnest. And uh, if you click that sign up button, you can go right to it. 
you want to give us likes on iTunes, reviews on iTunes, positive ones, please. Likes, comments on Facebook. We are on social media. Find us. Uh, we do talk back. It's spring break yeah. for these two gentlemen, and I'm just a general goof off. So, uh, you know, we're, we're always ready to talk to you. One, one more thing, too. I mean, you can just download the podcast and just play it at your work and don't listen to it. That helps me, too. That makes me feel good. <laughs> and just listen to it like 30 times in a row on a loop um, with, in a muted tab. I don't care. I don't. You do go for it, man. It helps our ranks. You know the other thing. Hit that. Hit that retweet. Hit that that like button. Smash that like button. You know you're on the page anyway. Just do it. Get the word out there. Share the love. Yeah, leave it to Kevin to talk about Twitter because I don't understand it. All right, so um, it's a computer for Movie Club today. There was a there's a trailer. That I've actively actively avoided, but today I went and saw Kong Skull Island, and uh, by the way, uh, pretty sweet movie. If you want to see King Kong suplexing some uh, helicopters, uh, you'll and throwing helicopters at helicopters, you will enjoy this movie. I did. Um, Is it now your greatest helicopters being assaulted movie? Has it I mean, surpassed shoot, Stone Cold? Dude, King Kong, King Kong beat the hell out of some helicopters, but that's not what this is about. There's a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy two, and there's an actor in that trailer that I didn't expect to see. And because I've I've gone radio silent, I know I'm going to see the movie. I know I'm going to like the movie. But this actor made me think: What other movies have I loved that star Kurt Russell? And well, there's one. There's just one that stands above all others. It's one where he's not the hero. He's just a he's he's like the he's like the sidekick to the hero. Because <laughs> let's be honest, he's not the hero in this movie. And that's Big Trouble in Little China. Wow. Can you please explain that comment? Because that's the best thing about the entire movie. Well, I mean, okay, he's it's like um, you know how he thinks he's the hero of the movie, because like it's obviously like he's the protagonist. It's told from his perspective. perspective. He's the point of view character. He's like yeah. the point of view character, but he's he's not the hero. He he's the, a hero in his own mind. I mean, the hero is the <laughs> what's the character's name? Uh, Wang Chi. Yes. Yeah, Wang Chi right. is the is the real hero character. Like he's the he's the hero of the story. And Jack Burton, played by Kurt Russell, is is just the goof off. Who uh the lovable goof off. <laughs> <laughs> he's I I don't know, Big Trouble in Little China. It's a weird, weird movie. But it's, it knows it is. Yes, and oh, it's yeah. it, it embraces it. It's unique though, and it totally works. And it's not a Comedy? I mean, what if you're going to classify it? Would you call it a mystical kung fu comedy? It's That's a, stupid. How about how about mystical pulp noir detective comedy? I don't. That's the thing. All of these things work, <laughs> but it's not really a comedy. No, if you the comedy funny. happens, if you take Kurt Russell out of the movie, if you take the protagonist character out of the movie, it's not funny. But Kurt Russell, Jack Burton, old Jack Burton, so amazing in this role. It's. I feel like it's the movie that cemented Kurt Russell, the adult, as a popular actor. Yeah. Because he was a popular child. And Kim Cattrall's pretty great in this movie, too. Uh, I don't know. I just, there's something about this movie that's just, like, so charming. Yes. Because, like, it's like, it takes, like, weird special effects, weird action, like, sci fi stuff, and then it mashes it up with, like, that old school, like, uh, kung fu mysticism kind of stuff. And, and just like a nice layer of B-movie charm. Time. Like, and it's and it's happening in <clears throat> one of my favorite places on the planet, Chinatown in San Francisco. Yeah. Which is is really large when you think about it. You can walk, you know, 9, 10, 12 blocks into Chinatown and then look left and right and realize that you have that much further in either direction. 
And I don't know the the actors in this movie. Not a lot of popular actors. You said Kim Cattrall. You said uh, uh, Kurt Russell. And that's it. That's it. And I mean, everyone else has like acted more. You know, like they're not like non actors, but no one else in this movie I feel like is like a person you're like, oh yeah, that that's like my favorite favorite guy. I mean, like James Hong is like the the other guy who's in a lot of stuff, but he's just he's just like one of those like character actors. He's you know? in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. like you said, he's a great character actor. Uh, I I think. <laughs> one thing I'll say about this movie, if you've never seen it, or if you if just been a while, go on YouTube and uh, search for Kurt Russell questions or Jack Burton questions or Big Tribal Big Trouble in Little China questions uh, or even what, and uh, it's 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 a, like a three minute video of every time Kurt Russell says what? Yeah, come on, <laughs> it's he's, he's like so confused the whole movie, everything. Everything that's happening in the movie, he just seems like he's like so outside of like he's like not comprehending it, which is why he's not the hero. Yeah, he's the sidekick. He that's that's the reason why you're taking the journey with him is because like he's struggling to keep his head above water and figure out what the hell's going on the whole movie, and you are struggling along with, and you constantly feel like you're one step ahead of him and one step behind everybody else in the movie. And this is a John Carpenter movie. John Carpenter wrote his script. Which is kind of why I waited a while, because I didn't want to do, like, John Carpenter movie, and then, because we did They Live. And honestly, I could just go straight through John Carpenter's, like, library, and, like, every movie's a banger. We like, will probably. Except Ghost of Mars. But, you know what? <laughs> Ghost of Mars has some aspects to it that are not too bad, uh, and then it's completely incomprehensible at times. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, John Carpenter wrote this movie, and uh, he, I don't know if he wrote it with Kurt Russell. I know he did the rewrites with Kurt Russell. And there is one scene in particular in the movie, a scene that I loved as a kid because I didn't totally understand it. It's the final battle, and Jack Burton does the the battle cry, and he fires his gun in the air. And Kevin, what happens? Do you remember? A a, a piece a piece of ceiling (laughs) gets shot and falls on Jack Burton and knocks him out for the main battle. Yes. So what happened is they started filming, and they're like, you know, Jack Burton doesn't know Kung Fu, and he's carrying a gun. Is he just going to mow all these guys down? What's he going to do? And so Kurt Russell said, what if he takes himself out of the battle by knocking himself out because he's an idiot? And John Carpenter was like, yes, that's what's going to yeah, happen. That's, I mean, it's exactly the heart of the character right there, though, which is that story you just told. Because, like, uh, a quote from uh, Carpenter says... I, he liked the notion of a hero who has so many faults. Jack both is and is not the hero. He falls on his ass just as much as he comes through. The guy's a real blowhard. He's a lot of hot air, very self-assured, and kind of a screw-up. And Kurt Russell said, at his heart, he thinks he's Indiana Jones, but the circumstances are almost always too much for him. <laughs> Which is a great description of the character. Well, and that's the great parallel in the scene, because the iconic scene for Indiana Jones, when the guy comes out with the, uh, you know, the sword dancer comes out, and he's flipping it around the market, and he takes out the gun and shoots him, and just, like, ends what would have been a climactic battle. And here you have just dead-up reverse. Yeah, yeah, like he takes, he gets that stuff on him. He's like, he feels like he's so strong. I'm, I feel like I'm invincible, you know, or whatever he says. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets knocked out like three minutes. Yeah. Later he's an idiot. Well, there's a, a, there's so many great scenes in this movie. So much quotable, and it's it's all Kurt Russell. The first scene in the movie like sets the tone like perfectly. Like the very first when he's driving in the truck and all the things he says, it's like it's perfect to like set the tone for the movie. 
When he's um, narrating uh, his life on the Pork Chop Express via yeah. the CB. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing that's cool about this movie is they take little things like using the CB for narration for world building and for kind of filling you in. So it's like you have a narrator without a narrator kind of. And John Carpenter is a very clever director. And he did. he's done a lot of great things. I think people forget because he's done a lot of forgettable things over the last... 25 years that man through the 70s and 80s this guy was just on he's a guy who is not uh, we've said this maybe during they live but a guy who had a movie done and he wanted it done his way and when hollywood stepped in he he fought it and i'm thinking something like ghost of mars i would love to ask him about that movie or read an interview about that because that's a weird movie and i wonder if hollywood was like we want this and this and this and he's like fine i'll make it suck i don't care you're talking about a guy who walked away from the halloween franchise because they wouldn't let him do what he wanted yeah i mean he literally put his name on ghost of mars though it's john carpenter's ghosts of mars true is the title of the movie so he, he obviously is happy about something that happened there um one more thing about Kim Cattrall's character. I like it because she's not like a helpless character at all. She's like she's like the brains of the operation. Yes. yes. She's <laughs> clearly more effective than he is. <laughs> well, she, she gets Which, kidnapped. Uh, they free her and she goes back to play the role of the hero. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I kind of like that. Um, there, another, one last thing about this movie. They're remaking this movie. I don't Dwayne, know how to feel about The Rock that. Johnson is going to play Jack Burton. Which, if done correctly... That's a good cast. If done correctly, is a perfect cast. But he's got to do that Channing Tatum thing. That Channing Tatum does in 22 Jump Street, where he, or 21 Jump Street, where he acts stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's the actual hero, and he's beating people up, and like being The Rock, like The Rock is in some movies, it won't work. He has to get it. and that, So this movie is going to walk a very fine line for me. So we need to see the Baywatch movie. Uh, Baywatch movie looks hilarious, by the way. Yes, it does. I cannot stand how much I like that trailer because I don't <laughs> want to like it. I want to hate it, but I can't. It looks like it could be very funny, which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, uh, Nathan, you were talking about the Total Recall remake, how they just missed the point of the movie. They made it like a straight-up action movie, right. and it didn't make sense. I'm I'm inclined to believe that that's what they're going to try and do with Big Trouble in Little China, and I hope that they don't miss the heart. Who's directing it, and is John Carpenter involved? No one's at all? attached yet. Uh, it's like Dwayne Johnson's production company got the rights to do it, and uh, com- production company or some production company he's friends with or something like that, you know. So like, they have all the rights to do it, but I mean, The Rock's in like a million things. Yeah, like he's in The Fate of the Furious, this Baywatch movie, this Jumanji movie, this rampage mo- video game movie like he's in like a million things right now so i don't even know if it'll come out in the next two years to be honest is he with you. playing the the donkey or the dinosaur in the rampage movie i i don't even know <laughs> i maybe he's just gonna be a person who's trying to stop them is he the building it's gonna it's gonna be so garbage. i hope he's the gray wolf because that was my favorite Ooh, that was a girl i hope he's the skyscraper <laughs> um well the director of san andreas is gonna make it so things are gonna blow up so there's um, jumanji remake that's terrible yeah, you didn't hear about that. You haven't seen the commercials no. for this. Jumanji Kevin was remake? telling me, uh, Kevin he... Hart, Jack Black, Dwayne Johnson. Oh my! Nick Kevin Jonas. Hart plays a little kid. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I hate you so much, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin uh, I watched Jumanji with Kevin, and uh, he was he that was, movie sucks. And he was yeah with you, and you were crying, and you're like, sometimes I feel like life is a game, and I don't understand. <laughs> I hate Jumanji so much. This joke went too far. That was, like I don't even really. I like ripped the off the league. I'm sorry. <laughs> the original movie is like. 
so overrated to me. Like, I feel like it's just such an average movie. It is. People, it's not a good people movie. talk about it. Like it's really good. And I'm just like, it's no. really okay. I never saw it and I still don't want to. It's, it's fine. You know what? If you watch it, you probably won't hate it and you probably won't like it. You'll probably just go like, mm, that was a movie. It's with Kirsten Dunst, Robin Williams and special effects, right? Yep. Pretty Here much. Saw it's it. a thing. It's it called happened. Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, there are parts of that movie when I was a kid. That movie's kind of scary for a kids' movie. So like, I, there are parts that are, like a legit scary. Like, there's bees stinging through a. We're way off track. Bees stinging. Through the, <laughs> there's like these giant bees stinging through the roof of a car and are stuff. We just like, filibustering for the longest off-season <laughs> episode ever. No. All right. Let's just get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I love how we do. We always bring in a second movie to talk about, and somehow it became Jumanji. That that's the stucky thing right there. All right. So via uh, Baywatch for Kevin Garber for Eric Ronenbeck. I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll uh, see you next week. Go Hawks. Make the good times roll. No, I ain't got nothing but a bag of green.